Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. So, so uh, yeah, the, the course of study was Doctrine, Covenants, and, and Church History. No, but what you did is you took it to a new level, okay? There are so many times Bruce is the ultimate overachiever, not only getting excommunicated twice, but on this occasion, <laughs> Bruce decided that being he was on call for IT 247365 for a global company, which meant sometimes he was up at night. And what do you do when you work in IT? You read a lot because apparently IT is easy. So, Not, no. <laughs> but you you undertook a reading project over the next 14 months that blew my mind. Um, just let me find the list because it's unreal. So, and mind you, I... I, I did it all on this. This is my Kindle Fire that I was given for Christmas one year. So uh, I had this with me at all times. Oh, technology, the downfall of us all. Um, I'm being typically uh, hard-headed here. So you read The History of the Church all seven volumes, the comprehensive history of the church, six volumes, the journal of discourses, 26 volumes. How did you get through that? The history of Joseph oh. Smith by his mother, uh, the book of Mormon doctrine and covenants, the Bible, the pearl of great price. Uh, so all of the standard works and several journals, diaries of your pioneer ancestors over 14 months. And that, my friends, was enough to destroy what had been a strong testimony. Um, yeah. When yeah. so you, you speak in your story about correlations and things starting to coalesce and come together. Yeah. Well, as an IT guy, anytime you're trying to diagnose a, an issue. Realizing that correlation is not always causation, you still have to investigate these correlations. And, and my mind just tends to work that way. I see correlations, and I'm able to see if there's an actual relationship or not. And so after reading through all of these things and having been brought up in the church, knowing what the church teaches, I saw that there, were, there was a... a ton of discord between what I read and what the church teaches. Okay. Yeah. I can't believe that that's true, though. No, it is. It's, um, yeah. So your first shelf item, you... My my very first shelf item, if I want to go back a while, was when I was 13. My family had moved from Salt Lake City to Birmingham, Alabama, the Deep South. In 1966, two years after the race riots, 
So it was an interesting time and an interesting place for a 13-year-old. <clears throat> I had always been interested in science and nature and things like that. And, and uh, the Book of Abraham fascinated me because of the facsimiles. And the relationship between the text and the facsimiles. I mean, even in the text, it calls out the facsimiles, saying that these facsimiles are a means to understand these gods that he's talking about in, in the text itself. So the, the facsimiles cannot be separated from the text. And the facsimiles were all translated. They had their interpretations down below them. But in 1967, um, I think he was a professor, a history professor at the U of U, was researching at the New York Metropolitan Museum of Art and came across some papyri fragments that he recognized. He recognized them as being from the uh, Book of Abraham part of the collection were the fragments and pieces of parchment, papyri, that, that uh, uh, were the source of the Book of Abraham. And so the announcement was made in church that an upcoming uh, issue of the Improvement Era, which was the predecessor to the Ensign, which was the predecessor to the Liahona, um, would carry, actually, the, uh, the entire issue would be dedicated to Egypt, and the find. And so um, I was looking forward to that, and it turned out that the uh, issue in question was the January issue of the 1968 Improvement Era. And uh, you can go back in on archive.org and find that. The church stored a lot of their publications there in PDF format. So you can you can read that you can get the whole issue and read it. And uh, why yes, uh, the Journal of Discourses was the worst slog of a read I've ever had. <laughs> that 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 tested my endurance to the to its limits. It was it was. I would have to attribute the Journal of Discourses to my disaffection almost entirely. Yeah. You couldn't deal because with... I got I got the absolute flavor of the early leaders of the church, and they were elitist bastards, every single one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So you go for the right going back to going yeah. back to the, the the book of Abraham. Uh, anyway, so I read that that whole magazine and was sorely disappointed. They, I was thinking. Now we're going to be able to vindicate Joseph Smith that he was a translator. And no, funeral texts? These are all funeral texts? Oh my gosh. I was so disappointed. And, and that was really the very first uh, shelf item that, uh, that I had as a, as a young man. And that kind of played a part once I got back in through the, the history of the church reading where Joseph would put a little annotation for a particular day, you know, working with the papyrus, working with the fragments, working on the Egyptian alphabet, working on, you know, he, he specified those things all along. And it was over the course of several months that he would do this. And you can, you can see that reading the history of the church. 
And then, uh, you know, reading the essays, because the essays came out in 2012, and I found them going into the gospel topics section. I just happened across them. And uh, what, what they wrote there did not jive with what I'd known my entire life. So that, that was my first shelf item. I just want to pull out, um, so you've spoken on your TikTok about this, and but you've pretty much told us what you told us on TikTok, so we won't play that right now. I just want to pull out something that you did say on your TikTok, and I think it's something that is overlooked by uh, everyone when they talk about the Book of Abraham as a fact. Because we, we get into the funerary text, we get into the facsimiles, and how it's all BS. But Chandler, was it Michael Chandler? The, yes. The guy who must have thought all of his dreams had come true when he met Joseph Smith and thought, oh my gosh, I am going to get some real money for this, just these things that I've been trying to sell all across the eastern you know, United States. So he gives Joe a sample of the text. Joseph translates it, at which point Michael Chandler issues a certificate of authenticity to say that Joseph's translation was correct. Like, Joseph must have been so gullible at this point. To then go and raise thousands of dollars from, from the saints, the poor saints, to buy these things. It is almost like, it's like the people that sell land on the moon. And you <laughs> you get a certificate, you get a, a whole like like lease of your one acre of land on the moon. Uh, that... And you see the provenance of Quaker ownership, right? Oh no, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's that's definitely where where we were going. Uh, but yeah, he must have thought all of his dreams had come true. So yeah, and and that certificate is in the history of the church. If you want to go and look it up, I think it's in volume six. There you go. And there's something that I think that's what your encyclopedic knowledge helps to pull those things out because I think they they get lost in the bigger issues these smaller more interesting um things we we lose them but well it's it's been several years since i actually read them of course but uh because i've i've now been out of the church i was excommunicated in 2016 so it's it's been six years uh well it'll oh. be six years in march so you know, that's that's a while back, and being an old man like I am, uh, my memory is not as good as it used to be. Well, so well, it's it was... either volume five or six that I that that certificate is in. I think it's volume six. Okay, I will I will take a look after this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take us through early July 2015. This is when. Um, in your in your written story, you start to discuss some of your unbelief uh, with your wife, and then you speak to your bishop, who passes you on to the stake president, 
and it just so happens that there is a visiting area authority 70 coming to town so bishop schedules for july 19th 2015 a meeting or the state president schedules it sorry a meeting between yourself the state president and elder brent j hillier where you lay it all out for them you you say you know this is how i was raised this is what i was raised with and their response was to simply bear their testimonies uh, with not not a fact uh between them to rebut it so that was nice of them uh so yeah, nothing, wasn't it though? yeah you know what what do we expect anymore um i guess it's just a thing of well if i can be okay with it and i still love jesus then i don't care what question you've got you need to be okay with it as well the interesting thing to me was that uh elder hillier was aware of some of the things that i was that the stake president was not like that they had come across the seer stone uh that chocolate covered seer stone chocolate covered looking seer stone um <clears throat> that would uh, be featured in an article in the ensign in october so I, it was under work uh, at the time uh, in july so it came out uh, in the ensign in october of 2015. but uh, he was aware my stake president was not aware but what my stake president his solution to everything was that i needed to follow the spirit and if i followed the spirit i would be 100 percent right and if i disregarded the spirit i'd be 100 percent wrong and i needed to choose was i going to follow the spirit or not and that dichotomous black and white thinking just doesn't work it's not real especially when occasionally i've felt the spirit in places where the spirit shouldn't be yeah yeah doing things well we do we we know what the spirit is i mean many yeah. of us ex-mormons have done some some research into psychological topics and neuropsychological topics and cognitive science and and things like that which i have and uh it uh, it kind of brings things to light a little more clearly that these are all all things that go on in the mind yeah they're brain centered and they're based on all kinds of things like your indoctrination your biases and and all of that all rolled together and and uh, and you feel things we have human emotions yeah it's what makes us uh, human you know it's it's what yeah. I guess, yeah, well, what would life be without them? Easier. But we were taught, we were taught by the organization that these feelings were the spirit when they're just normal human emotions. And as a missionary, in the very first discussion, I taught that to investigators. You would ask, uh, Senor Garcia, ¿Cómo te sientes? And, 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 We'd ask him, you know, how are you feeling? Yeah. 
This is the Spirit testifying to you that these things are true. So it's what the church taught us. It's what we taught our investigators. It's nonsense. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I I had a dodgy curry once, and I felt the Spirit the next day <laughs> all day. It was amazing. I was like, wow. <laughs> I've been so good. The Spirit has been with me all day. Oh, now that's funny. I like yeah. that. <laughs> we try. Okay, so <laughs> you have this meeting and they basically knock you back um, to say you're not spiritual enough. Go and pray some more. Uh, don't worry about the ins and outs of everything. It's not really important. Just pray. Uh, right. And then Elder Hillier, a couple of months later, sends you a letter. Well, just uh, before that, I want, to, I want to highlight one very interesting thing that I found hilarious. Elder Hillier was there for a, a stake youth fireside that was supposed to be a Q&A. They were going to go there, not scripted, and just have them ask questions and give them answers. And as they were leaving, they were standing just outside my door. Uh, Elder Hillier invited me to go to that meeting. And I said, no. You don't want me asking my questions there in front of the state youth. You have no answers. Yeah. And so he he said, well, you're probably right. And that's when they left. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if, if you'd been any more of a, a vindictive kind of person, you'd have gone and just laid it out for them. Been like, he invited me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here by invitation. I'm not a youth, but. I've been told this is the place to ask questions. Yeah, well, uh, back then I was not uh, going by the name Holy Apostate. <laughs> no. No. Uh, they thrust that life upon you. So, Which I took up gladly. <laughs> well, Elder Hillier tried to send you a letter, um, or did send you a letter, so he's he's trying to is that the actual letter this is the actual letter wow and it's just his testimony with his signature at the bottom there you can see that well sell that get a tenner and and i can read it it it's would you like me to just quickly uh, you can give us a it's, cliff note it's this much he just says it was a privilege i thought about deeply our discussion, we know the Book of Mormon has this complex set of characters, complex geography, complex blah, blah, blah. The Book of Mormon was dictated by the prophet. I have, uh, you know, anyway, each of us must ask ourselves if we could in just one draft dictate in a period of 90 days or less. Oh, a book hell. of power, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, which, which totally misrepresents the whole process. So he says, I testify that Joseph translated the Book of Mormon by the gift and power of God. This is a book, blah, blah, blah. I believe at one time you received this same witness that moved you to spiritually progress in the church and gospel. I invite you to come back. As you do, I promise you'll be a great blessing to many wonderful people, blah, blah, blah. And it just kind of goes on. And, and the rest of it is just really yeah. just testimony. So, well. That was helpful. 
So you responded with your own letter, uh, which was nine pages of yes. uh, rebuttal. Yes, here's, here's, here's my letter. And, and as you can see, it is oh. indeed much longer than his. I'm sure you love that. What, what kind of topics did you cover? Oh, <laughs> all right. Briefly. My reading project. And, uh, and the results of the reading project. And uh, I mentioned that um, as Joseph Fielding Smith in Doctrines of Salvation said, Mormonism, as it is called, must stand or fall on the story of Joseph Smith. So, you know, I'm not the one who made the false dichotomy or the or the the false dilemma question. Uh, they tied themselves Joseph in that. Smith note. did. Yeah. But uh, that that's the kind of thing. I just went through all the things that that stood out to me from my reading project that contradict what the teach, teachings of the church actually were over the course of my life. And I included many references. Yeah. No, fantastic. And if they can't answer, they don't deserve your 10%. So. Well, neither, and I copied the stake president on that, and neither the stake president or Elder Hillier actually responded to me after that, except to be called in to more meetings with the stake president. Well, and that's how it went. But following your letter, there was radio silence. And you got to a point where more and more people were learning on the grapevine about your disaffection with the church. So as any human, logically thinking human being would do, you'd think, what well, is the easiest way for me to let everyone know that this is the reason I'm not going to church and you don't have to be afraid of me. You don't have to be wary of me. You know, this is the reason, and don't worry about it. And there was a, a a wonderful tool, a free tool that we all use called Facebook. So you went on um, in, in January of 2016, January 31st, and you wrote the post that goes down in history. And it's the post that reiterated essentially what I put into that, those nine pages of my response to Elder Hillier in yeah. a bit more condensed form. So I'm just going to read the TLDR. Okay. So okay. you you did an amazing job because you you gave them a TLDR at the beginning, um, a too long don't read, and then gave them the full length. So TLDR. I learned it on Reddit. <laughs> hey, I learned it there too. Someone said to me once, have you got a TLDR for something that I'd written? And I just gave them a link to a website and didn't even know what they were asking for. Um, so I've had a change of religious beliefs. Most of my immediate and many extended family members already know. Most Facebook friends don't. For me, this is a personal matter, but because of repeated questions and other reasons I'm willing to share here. Uh, for those who couldn't care less, those who don't like reading such things, or for those for whom this just doesn't matter, feel free to skip reading. It's all important. It's an important matter ultimately only to me. 
Um, and then you go on in your post, which was um, goes over a couple of pages. So it was a decent post. Um, you go on, as you say, to speak about your reading project. Um, and what you don't do is you don't actually list any specific problems, which I thought was good of you not to do as a church would say, just throwing around hand grenades, you know. But you well, said some... it, I, I, you're probably coming up to the point that, that I was going to make. I did mention one specific thing. You did. That and this, really got, got their attention. This is a thing that got stuck in their throats. Um, you said, Joseph Smith. Okay. I will read this paragraph. This is the paragraph that got you excommunicated. And this is a paragraph that um yeah had you just written this paragraph it would have done the job i'll now boil it down for all those who question what it was that cost me my faith and then in bold simply that joseph smith jr was a fraud whether he was what some call a pious fraud or well-meaning fraud or a well-meaning fraud or just someone who fully believed in what he preached he was a fraud nonetheless and then in uh, in bold capitals, provably so. And that, my friends, was the fat lady singing because clearly and she she nailed those notes, didn't she? Yeah, someone <laughs> hit the red button because two months later, two months now. What do you think the news cycle is on a Facebook pro post? I'm saying twelve hours before it disappears down the memory hole. Um, and we all know what it's like when you see a post, maybe it's less than 12 hours, maybe it's like 20 minutes. You see a post and you think, oh, that's interesting. You scroll past and then you come back later. How far do you have to scroll to find the one thing that you saw earlier and you want to see again? So imagine the scrolling someone must have done for two months later for the bishop to call you in to discuss as he quoted church related matters um and the bishop told you take it down you said no the state president called you in he told you take it down you said no by this time the post is lost amongst roller skating dogs and you know <laughs> cat at that time it was probably cats and cucumbers so you you told them no, and time's taking it down for you anyway. But they push on to uh, a court of love. Now, if anyone wants to listen to this court of love, uh, the link is in the description below. How did you record it? Is that oh, it's just a dictaphone? It's Ooh. just a little uh, audio recorder. Oh, it's like a spy pen. Yeah, I had it in my uh, notebook. Um, well, my notebook is over here. Okay, now, everyone, at this point, please take note of I just the... had it sitting in, this, in the corner. There's a pen there now, so it won't close properly, but it was just sitting in there like this. Switched on, 
and closed and was sitting in front of me the whole time. Now, everyone take note of the tradecraft here and the the tools, the spy tools that Bruce has got, because that's going to be <laughs> no, that's going to be important a little bit later in this interview. But, well, the the thing of it is, is is Colorado is a single party state, meaning only one party needs to give permission to record a conversation. Okay. And I'm the one giving permission, so nobody else needed to. And you you were in a new stake to you. Relatively new, yes. Oh. We had we we had moved um, from Dallas, Texas to Greeley, Colorado, where I am now, uh, in 2014, just before I finished my reading project. I finished that here, started it in Texas, finished here. Uh, in the meantime, I had swapped jobs, moved to the other, to the company that I now work for. Um, and so, you know, there, there are, were different transitions. So I'd been here. I had, uh, I'm also a ham radio operator, and uh, I had spoken to the stake president about uh, having stake radio nets with ham operators in the stake so we can do, you know, uh, some preparedness type nets, is what they would do, just to practice the procedures in case something came up. It's what I did in Texas okay. and was very familiar with. I, I was part of the, uh, um, the officers of the local ham radio club there. And, and so I, I got involved in that kind of thing a lot. So I, I had talked to the state president. I don't think he really recognized me or remembered me, but I was the son-in-law of a prominent bishop. Uh, my father-in-law was, uh, was a branch president for the University of Northern Colorado student branch, which was... Uh, which grew enough that, I mean, here in, the, in North, this part of northern Colorado, there's a high percentage of members. Um, it grew enough there that they made it a ward, and he was the very first bishop of that university ward. He later, after that, became bishop of the ward we were in. I mean, we were in the same ward with my in-laws. So imagine the discomfort of going to church with all of this going on in the back. Um, so then the ward was split, and my wife and I are now in a different ward than my in-laws. So uh, anyway, the stake president uh, really didn't know me, but I got a flavor of him. I mean, I made the, the suggestion to promote uh, radio operators doing some preparedness type activities and he just no no so i i, I kind of got the, the flavor of him so uh, in that regard later on when i made that post on facebook i knew that my leadership roulette would run in my favor yeah, <laughs> yeah i knew i knew because i've i've listened to the audio of your court and it's very and doesn't clear. he come across very coldly and and matter-of-factly oh yeah he was a right wanker it's um uh, it was very clear that they just wanted to say the same thing take it down okay 
So you explain to them pretty much everything you've already explained this evening. You explain to them your reading project, and then they say, okay, well, you're teaching false doctrine, at which point you said it's a Facebook post. How am I teaching false doctrine? There's no doctrine within it. Well, you say Joseph Smith is a fraud. Well, that's not doctrine, and I'm not teaching. It's just a Facebook post. Then they try and it's drill. A, it's a conclusion that I arrived at. Yeah. Uh, but then they try and drill you down on the audience you allowed the Facebook post to go to because you obviously said, look, I was telling family and friends, this is my position. You know, I was dispelling rumors. Um, yeah. You know, the family rumor mill got going. So I yeah. wanted to set things straight. So why didn't you just make it to family? That's what they said. Why didn't you just make the post to family and friends? And uh, why why did it happen? That to was be? essentially all I had connections to on Facebook at the time. That's what you I mean. Think. That was its whole purpose. I mean, I connected with family and friends, and yeah. most of my friends were in the church. So, so they they asked some dumb questions. Um, one, obviously, they they were scratching around and coming up cold because then they said, "Do you sustain the church leadership?" Um, I think you said something about to the point that they're honest. Yeah. Um, as long as they're being honest, which most of the time they weren't. But it was kind of a kangaroo court because it was just, are you going to delete it? And if you're not, you're going to be excommunicated. And that's what they did. There was one old high priest in there in the, in the high council room that uh, that asked me about the Journal of Discourses. Because about that time, the church had, had put out on their website that they were beginning, the, the, the feeling you got was that they were denigrating the status of the Journal of Discourses and distancing themselves a little mm. bit. Yet, you can still go back today and look at conference addresses where they make quotes from the Journal of Discourses. They can't have it both ways, but they do. No. So anyway, he tried to corner me on the journal discourses, and I told him, well, it's like our collection of ensigns, the conference edition of the ensigns. It's all the talks of the leadership at the time. And they were taken down by George Watts, who was uh, an, an accomplished stenographer. And so, and the first presidency approved all of those, so. And if you read the introduction to, I think it's the third volume, you can see that they claim that it's scripture. Wow. Scripture that they don't want us to read. Yeah. Almost, almost like the stick of Bruce, um, <laughs> as in Bruce Armour Conkey, um, yeah. with, with his more doctrine. Yeah. All of that stuff that they want to disappear down the memory hole. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Now, when you when I was listening to the excommunication, it reminded me of one of your TikToks, uh, which I'm going to bring up if I can. Bear with me, okay. Um, technology guys, uh, it's not always a friend. Okay, so this TikTok. Um, there's many that, that Bruce puts out there, but this one reminded me of Mormons, um, just classic Mormonism. Okay. 
to be the end times right now because they want to get to the rapture. They think it's the end times. They want it to be the end times because they want to speed it up, get to the rapture. Here's the twist. They've decided that they're going to be horrible people to speed up the end times to get to the rapture. Let's unpack. First of all, not the end times. Just terrible times. Try to help somebody. Second thing, the rapture. I don't know if you know anything about the rapture. Uh, they're not taking horrible people. <laughs> Third thing you may not know about the rapture, not real. Not real. Literally a parable to get you to not be a horrible person. I love that one. Um, That's one of my favorites, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're just so horrible to us sometimes and you're like do you realize that at this second coming this rapture that you're all waiting for horrible people aren't going to be the ones that um that, that go with it yeah anyway yeah okay <laughs> uh speaking of tiktok though i and i make this disclaimer in in several of my tiktoks I don't feel the pressure to be a prolific creator. I don't create them, uh, you know, once a week, once a day, five times a day, ten times a day. I create them when I feel damn good and ready. Yeah. <laughs> and no. so uh, you'll notice that there aren't a lot of them there. I mean, you binge watched them pretty much uh, in, in one afternoon. I know. Don't tell my employer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, there's there's not a lot there, but uh, I, I make them when I feel like it. I'm not one of these creators that feels the the impulse or the rush to be out there in the forefront creating marvelous TikTok. I mean, I'm I'm not creating vignettes. I'm not creating stories. I'm not doing art. I'm not creating backgrounds i'm not creating scripted stories i'm not doing any of that crap it's just me and you take me or you leave me and i couldn't care less <laughs> well we'll take you now it, for those that have been uh vigilant this evening there is i found something on tiktok that i think is going to blow this case open um, and I think Bruce has a double life. Bruce, I'm sorry if we are um, blowing your cover, but he is actually a spy for the CIA. And I found him on TikTok. Let me, um, let's see what we've got here. Okay. Not her. Now this should be interesting. I don't yeah. know what it would be. No? Okay. So this young lady is famous for asking a retired spy the questions we really want oh. to know. Okay. Yeah, I've and, seen her. Because uh, she's your granddaughter. Um, because here we have Bruce, the retired spy. Asking a retired spy the questions we really want to know, part 11. How Come on, guys. Doppelganger. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce, are you really a spy? I cannot divulge that information at this time. Right, well, let, let's see what you had to say. How scared would normal civilians be if they knew what you knew? Actually, I think they'd feel better. 
He even talks like you, Bruce. Oh dear. What would it take for you to release classified information? Wouldn't happen. Did Russia interfere with the 2016 election? Yes, and it's been proven. Why won't Trump release his taxes? That's pretty easy. There are plenty of things in there he doesn't want the world to know. At what point, while being a spy, were you the most scared? During the classified portions of my training. How do you think World War III will begin? Actually, I think it will begin with internal strife and civil war amongst more than one country. Wow, so it was the difference between the difference between him and me that distinguishes us Whoa. is that he has he has eyebrows. I do not have eyebrows. <laughs> you knew this was coming. Your spycraft told you it was coming. You shaved those eyebrows. I shaved off. them off. You you committed to the story. That's, that's why you're a good spy. Um, uh, that, was, that, was, that was fun. Yeah, no, I know. He has sorry. a lot of common sense. I mean, he's solid common sense. Yeah, yes, you do. Yeah, well done. So, oh, uh, thanks. <laughs> you'll be forever the retired spy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, well, yeah, sorry. So, you're now wholly apostate. You're hoping to live to 102. Yeah. Just because. Out of spite. Yeah, out of spite. <laughs> to get a letter from the Queen. No, I, I just, uh, a long time ago, I had a goal. I want to be 102. And the reason it's 102 and not 100 is I want to make darn good and sure that people realize that it is over a hundred. So I, oh. I want to make sure that, that it's, it's known that I've made it to a hundred and then some. Fantastic. And something that we, and then we I have... want to go in my sleep. And then you want to go I in your sleep. Six passengers of the car that my grandpa drove when he went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. That's an old joke, but then yeah. so am I. No, it is a good one. I want to. I want to die in my sleep, like like my grandpa. Yeah, yeah. But not the, it's not, not the passengers. I twisted that up terribly, but it's you know. Okay. So one thing that we we avoided, or not avoided, but just didn't come up in your time. You spent some time in Chicago in the stake when um, Dallin H. Jokes was on the stake presidency. Yes. So, and he was a bit of a ball breaker even then. Well, um, as a as a teenager, uh, I respected the hell out of him. I mean, he was impressive. Uh, he was one. He was the second counselor in the stake presidency when we moved from Birmingham, Alabama, to a western suburb of Chicago, Illinois, into the Chicago South Stake. The stake president was Lyle Reynolds Cahoon. Uh, first counselor was John Sonnenberg. And the second counselor was Dallin H. Oaks. And uh, after President Cahoon was released, John Sonnenberg took the spot, became stake president. Dallin H. Oaks was the first counselor. And um, Donald Staley took 
the second counselor position. And every single one of those men were called as authorities to the church in one capacity or another. All of them, except Dallin Oaks, had uh, callings in one of the quorums of 70. And so they were like three to five year callings, every single one of them. Dallin Oaks went from the stake presidency to president of Brigham Young University, and then later uh, called as an apostle, of course. But uh, we attended a couple of the receptions for their, a couple of their kids that got married. I went to a, uh, a U.S. and Canadian Boy Scout encampment with his son Lloyd uh, to Letchworth State Park in upstate New York in 1970. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I know Dallin Oaks well, and my mother was the uh, stake camp director, which was a responsibility that Dallin Oaks had in, in his uh, stewardship, shall we say. So, so yes, we, we knew Dallin Oaks. Awesome. We know him well. So if you were to, because obviously Dallin's watching now, if you had to give him a message um, and, and a message to the church leadership from Holy Apostate as, as your parting blow for what has been a fantastic hour and 20 minutes, what would you tell the church leadership now, politely? You know what's going on. You know what you know. Come clean. That was really polite. Um, yeah, no. It's... Well, to do anything else is totally dishonest and manipulative and, and, and all the bad things that you can think of. It's it's narcissistic. It's elitist. It's, I mean, all of these things that, that you could apply to them. And if they don't want to be that, if they don't want to fall into that role, come clean. Bruce. Be honest. They are as honest as they know how to be. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Ballard. Yeah, no, fantastic. Thank you so much for being here with us this evening. I think we've had a good laugh as well as getting your story across um, because I think it would be pretty difficult now to get um, excommunicated for a single Facebook post just because there are so many of them. They wouldn't have any members left. Um, so yeah. yeah. Well, uh, thank you for inviting me. That was that was a very pleasant surprise. I appreciate it. No, it's great, and um, I'm hoping one day in the future uh, we can have one of these podcasts where we get multiple guests on, and we can get some of the um, guests like yourself who've already been on back to um, yeah, just give us the, the the good laughs and insight from where you are standing within Mormonism. So thank you. Um, thank you to Tom who left a tip. Thank you to Wendy and her husband who I know will be listening and for their tip that they sent this week, it all goes back into the show so that we can, uh, you can see me in higher definition. I don't know if you've noticed, um, but your contributions helped to upgrade my camera equipment and uh, and the studio here so thank you so much um you can now listen to the audio of this episode and all previous episodes on apple podcast and acast 
thank you to everyone in the chat thank you to alana for being our bouncer in the chat and getting rid of that bot um because it popped up four or five times i know um but yeah just amazing that everyone was here with us this evening next week we have rfm uh it won't be a live stream we're pre-recording with rfm friday and it will be released friday evening um and the week after that we have uh maven who's been with us this evening so we have some really good stuff coming up um, and we even have a member of the first presidency from the community of christ coming on with us in a few weeks um to, awesome. to get the lowdown so yeah we've got a an action-packed um february i almost got the months wrong february and into march and i'm sure I, I keep the diary full um, four or five weeks ahead, so we'll keep them coming. Thanks, everyone, for watching, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Thank you.